I listen to a lot of podcasts regularly, and I can guarantee you that most of them have more downloads than this one. Uh, mainly because the people behind the podcast are much more well-known, some of them, you know, famous. But they almost all do something that, frankly, bugs me just a little bit. I call it begging for reviews and ratings. And I'm not exactly sure what I think about it or what to think about it. So should we, as podcasters, ask for reviews? Should we ask for people to give a rating to your podcast or video? I realize that likes and ratings are kind of the currency under which a lot of people view content creation. It's how people find you in the mix of thousands of other uh, podcasts or videos or blogs. But what does it mean as content creators that we're spending time asking people to take a few extra moments to leave a rating or a review? Are, are we begging? Part of me kind of thinks that. Does it even work? <laughs> I tend to think that if someone really like something and they're inclined to let other people know, they'll do it in any number of ways. I mean, they'll send out a few tweets. They'll leave a review of a book on Amazon. They'll give you five stars on Apple Podcasts and they'll jot a few notes for a review, whether you ask them to or not. I suppose, you know, by asking, you're sort of reminding people that if they like something, they can help you out by, uh, you know, letting other people find you more easily by leaving a review or a rating. It all adds up, you know, all this stuff. You get 10 reviews, 20, 100, 10,000, you know. But if you're good enough, won't people find you anyway? Won't that spread sort of organically? Or, you know, with that tsunami of content that's online, maybe they don't work. Uh, maybe you really do have to beg. Or maybe there's only room for a handful of podcasts to break through over a certain period of time to a bigger audience. And the rest of us are stuck with just, you know, dribs and drabs, as it were. I, I don't know the answer. I've thought about it a lot. Maybe we should ask listeners proactively to chime in. Maybe it should happen organically. I'm still struggling with that. Hey, this is Tim Patterson, Trade Show Guy. This is Trade Show Guy, Monday morning coffee. And I'm Kind of what got my uh, my tie-dye Bob Marley shirt on. I've got like a bunch of Bob Marley shirts. I, I, I wear them a lot. I think I'd wear one for the show tonight. What the heck? Be fun. Um, and you know, hey, <laughs> if you like what you're seeing or hearing, go ahead. I'd love it if you left a rating or review. I'm not asking. I'm not begging. I'm just saying I'd love it. Ha. So uh, this week on Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee, I have an interview with a sales trainer that I think you really like. I ran across Jeff Bajorek. Uh, in the last year or so, and started reading his weekly newsletter. He also, for a time during the summer, did some random office hours in which he told his readership that he would just log on to Zoom and hang out. And if someone wanted to drop by and, and have casual conversations and ask questions about sales, he would be there. I, so I reached out recently and said, would you be on this program? And he said, of course. So this is how that conversation went. Welcome to Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. I'd like to say hello to Jeff Bajorek. Did I get that name pronounced right, by the way, Jeff? Perfect. It's almost like really? you practiced. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I actually hadn't practiced and I realized as I was coming up, I thought, God, I hope I get this right. So uh, <laughs> Jeff is a sales prospecting expert and uh, you've got a new book out, uh, Five Forgotten Fundamentals of Prospecting. And sales is such a big part of everything. I, I know when I was in radio years ago, you know, the guys that were selling the ads on the radio, we were back in the programming department. We always treated them with disdain, right? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> there but, goes but, that sales guy again. But I realized um, that, you know, they actually had to sell ads so that we got paid. I, I put that together pretty quickly, you know. But we still called them street lizards and things like that. It was a lot of fun, you know. But, but I got along with them. Anyway, so let's talk about sales. Sales are very important. 
And uh, let's talk about your book first, The Five Forgotten Fundamentals of Prospecting. How did that come about? Oh, um, many years of self-discovery. Um, yeah, I, it, it's one of those that, you know, I kind of fell into owning my own business. And when you fall into owning your own business, it's, it's kind of a different, um, it's kind of a different experience. It's one thing to be very driven, very goal oriented. This is this thing that I want to do. I'm going to go get it. And I'm going to try my darndest to go out there and make sure that I can uncover every opportunity. But when you find yourself in a position where it's like, well, I, I guess I own a business now. Um, like I did a few years ago, uh, there are some things that came intuitively to me that I didn't quite put my finger on or couldn't quite put my finger on right away. And through the couple of years that I really started to go out and prospect and have conversations and networking conversations with other people, it was brought to mind that I was saying some things differently than anybody else out there was saying. And once you hear that a few times, you start to trust it. And then I kind of went on this, this mission to try to distill what it was that I was doing that other people weren't. And I, I think sales cookbooks and how-to guides and playbooks and things like that are good to a point as long as you've had one created specifically for your industry. But I never wanted to be someone who was stuck to a certain industry because I believe that what made me successful in the industry I was working in, which was medical device sales and orthopedics at the time, I knew that the things that made me good, made me very effective and made me um, really more successful than a lot of my colleagues and peers were lessons and principles and fundamentals that would apply regardless of the industry. Sure. So what are those fundamentals? And when I really sat back and thought about it, well, I mean, you got to understand what you bring to the table that nobody else does. So what differentiates you? Then you have to be um, very clear on who you should be talking to. And then there has to be some stimulus for that conversation to go anywhere, for that relationship to go anywhere. And I call that creating tension. And it's not necessarily discomfort. And that's where a lot of people get hung up. That I've had actually a couple of people on podcasts recently have said, Jeff, tell me about this tension thing because that doesn't sound so good, right? And they're kind of halfway out of their chair like they want to leave. And um, I think tension is a stimulus and that's the metaphor that I use for the stimulus. And I talk about that for a bit in the book. Um, I think you need to be an expert. And in order to be able to create any tension and get any engagement out of that, you have to be worth talking to. And expertise is that um, capital, if you will. And then uh, the fifth forgotten fundamental is uh, how do you keep your swagger? How do you keep your attitude and your wits about you? Because there's no two ways about it. Selling's hard. But if you can learn to have fun while you do it, and if you can learn to stay tied to the passion that you have for that thing that you sell, whether it's a trade show booth or a trade show experience or just, you know, the networking and everything that goes along with the product and the, the solution that you provide, um, that's the thing that keeps you going. Listen, when, when they don't answer your call five times in a row, why do you pick up the phone the sixth time, right? right. That's the, the belief that you have to uh, stay tied into. And, and the, the more I think about it, that very well ties into prospecting, but into the sales process as a whole. And uh, it's been a fun little place to put all my thoughts down and get out there. Response to the book has been very good. Uh, it, and and it's it's kind of cool to see my name in, in print, so to speak. It is too. I've, I've actually sold sure, a couple book, of books. Sure. I, got, I got a couple of them. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, find them on Amazon, you know, but um, so, you know, when it comes to prospecting, that was probably the, the, the biggest hurdle I think any young salesperson is going to get past is how do I find people to put them into my funnel, as it were, um, and, and you, it, it, I had to, you have to develop a thick skin in a sense, you know, you have to realize it's not about you, if they're rejecting you, it's, it has nothing to do with you, 
uh, you got to have empathy for that. So there's a lot of that that goes into it. But yeah, it just takes, um, you know, I always talk about it's the numbers. It's a numbers game. And, and, I, and I always thought, well, there's more to it than that. Um, and, and so uh, what are some top ways that you find out to prospect? And I, I suspect it varies a little bit from industry to industry, but there's got to be a few that, that are the common ways that you would prospect, you know, cold calling starts there and, and, and on and on. It's funny that depending on where you hang out, um, the, the phone is either alive or it's dead. Um, and I, I think that becomes very confusing for someone who's going out there looking for answers. I, I think before you worry about where you should prospect, I think you need to worry about who you should be talking to. And then the, the answer that almost sounds like a non-answer is go where those people are. If your people hang out in on Twitter, then you should be on Twitter. But listen, I, I sold to hospitals. Hospitals may have Twitter accounts, but they're not there to engage. That's a PR uh, machine for them, right? It's just another way to distribute information and the stuff they want you to hear. They're not actually listening, right? Or if they're listening, it's for customer service purposes or something like that. So uh, the, the short answer is you should go where your people are. And if your people are at um, trade show, um, uh, you know, industry trade shows and industry events, you should be there. And if your people are in industry networking groups that are online, on, whether it's, you know, listservs from back in the day, or it's a LinkedIn group, or it's a Facebook group, or um, it's an organizational, uh, you know, they, they have all kinds of services and, and chat rooms and, and I don't you know, Chat room sounds like it was coming yeah. straight out of the '90s, right? But you've got these different, you've got these different discussion forums, right? I mean, I've I've belonged to some of them yeah. for different online courses and stuff that I've taken. That's where you should be hanging out. If you have to, though, you may need to go knock on a door. You may need to pick up the phone. You know, I I it sounds, um, you know, it sounds really old school, but in medicine, we sold door to door. Yeah. If there was a doctor's office that I needed to go to. I would walk in and I'd say, my name's Jeff. I've got this thing that is going to change the way doctor practices medicine. He probably doesn't have time for me now, but I'd like some of his time a week from now, two weeks right. from now. How right. does that happen? And you get told no way more often than you get told yes. It's not like they're just letting everybody come back right. in. The important thing is, regardless of the method, every time you reach out, you need to set a goal of learning more than you did before you reached out. And if you can learn more, then you can change your approach the next time. Maybe you don't knock on it. Maybe you, maybe you knock on the door once to find the person that you can call, and then you call them. And you don't have to get, on, get in your car, right? Um, maybe that person's not local to you, so you have to use the phone. Yeah. And sometimes you got to play around with the phone directories. Right and, and see who's the person you should be talking to. And, and that's how it is in my industry because I my clients are all over. You know, uh, probably my nearest client is fifty miles away, and my farthest client is three thousand miles away. Right. Uh, so so I'm always prospecting on the phone. Uh, email doesn't really work as well as the phone, although the phone doesn't work great either. But right. you know, I've I've worked as as you talk about the cookbook, and 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 I, I use that something like that where you do X amount of activity per day or per week or whatever, so that you're actually doing the numbers. And, and the theory behind that, as I understand it, is if you take care of the activities, the results will follow, you know, and that yes. is, is usually true. It's not always true, but, but that's, you can't control the results. You can only control your activity. And that's kind of how I look at it. So, uh, it's actually my next book. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
<laughs> so how do you, you know, when you we get someone on the phone, uh, and, and, and I like to talk to people that I've at least met at a trade show. We might have some bare connection. It's a thin connection, but it's something. And there are times, of course, that I do call people that they have no idea who I am. And I like to use the the uh, Jeffrey Gittimer approach. Hey, you don't know me from a sack of potatoes, but, <laughs> you know, so you're having a little fun with it. I understand that you have to do that. And, and people are receptive to that. And if they're not, uh, there's very few of them are not receptive to a little bit of humor and, and upbeat attitude, but they're probably not going to be a great client anyway. So how do you add value or, or do you bring value to a prospect early on without doing what I, I learned early on was the information dump? Hi, let me tell you about everything I got. And, you know, that's not the time or place. So how do you present value in a short time or at least take them to the next step? That's a great question. I, I think it starts with having some, you know, some, uh, some amount of expertise in the marketplace as it is, right? It helps to, and I hate the term personal brand. That's why I'm trying to skirt using that term right now. But, you know, whether it's your personal brand or your company's brand, um, look, I've sold for companies where the, the, the logo on my business card was something that was well known and I've sold for companies where they don't know me from a sack of potatoes right. and there's a difference there, right? So if you've got some reputation that can work for you, that's really good. It also helps to have a great website where you can direct people back. Look, you don't know me from a sack of potatoes, but if you check out my website at jeffbajoric.com, you'll see that I'm not as full of it as the other people that are calling you right now. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I'll, if you want, I'll wait right now while you go check it out or you can call me back or we can just get right to it because I've already had you for 15 seconds. So can I just tell you what I'm here for? Um, there's using humor is certainly a great element of it, but I like to think about selling in, in this regard. I do something, I do several things that other people don't do, that most people that you would consider my competitors do not do. Since I do things that most other people do not do, I can provide value that most other people cannot provide. If I can provide value that most other people cannot provide, I can create outcomes that nobody else can create. That's where I start my conversation. I start to have a conversation about an outcome that this prospect has not ever thought about in the past, right? So I'm solving a problem they don't even know they have yet. What does that do? Well, sets you apart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jeff's way ahead of me. Huh? Well, I've never thought. Oh, but that's really fun to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's okay. something that uh, I, now I got a possible solution to something that I didn't know was coming. Yes. But now and, I'm prepared. Yeah. And, and what that does, not only does it separate you, right? Not only does it create a conversation that they didn't even know they could have, but it's one that they're engaged and interested in having. And now you can take them through the process. Now you've got their attention. And now it's like, look, I, you know, thank you for taking this call. I've already had you for two and a half minutes. That's more than you bargained for. That's actually way more than I even expected. When's a good time to have a 10 minute conversation, a 15 minute conversation, right? How do we move this down? And in the meantime, before that 10 minute conversation, I want to send you this blog article I wrote. I want to send you this white paper that I came up with. I'd like to send you this case study or these articles that I found that relate very much to this conversation and will help to prepare you and I to have a more productive conversation in a short period of time next week at say nine o'clock, right? Um, on Tuesday, right? Um, you know, what that does is gives these little, you're just moving it a step forward every single time. And if you can give them some resources to help them prepare for that meeting, then, 
you know, in, in form of content or something like that, then you can um, help move that process along a little more fluidly. And you're not asking for a huge commitment. You're not asking them to buy right away. There's another Gittimer one that I, that I listened to is, or that I've heard him say a couple of times is, do you want to buy now or do you want to hear the pitch first? Yeah. Right? It gets things started on a <laughs> It's kind of funny, yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it doesn't have to be about a pitch, right? I, I think, you know, when, when someone picks up the phone and there's a salesman on the other line, they're expecting a pitch. If you can zig when they think you're going to zag, then you get their attention in a different yeah, way. I'd agree. And it's like, look, I'm not here to pitch you because my pitch is going to sound like everybody else's. I mean, here's the, here's the key. Look at your marketing materials and look at your competitors' marketing materials. And when you distill that language, almost always they're identical. You remove yeah. the branding, you remove the imaging. That doesn't, that's, no one wants to hear that. No one wants to read that. Let's have a conversation about what you can do that no one else can. Some people will be interested, some won't. But the ones that are interested in, in what you have to offer, you'll be able to have a much more, a, a much more straightforward, a much easier conversation, a much more fun conversation, and the whole sales process will follow suit. It, you, you got me thinking about value. Uh, uh, what is value? And there's so many different ways you can look at value. Uh, and to me, a lot of it comes down to who you are personally. Are you a friendly person? Are you upbeat? Uh, do you have a smile on your face? Are you willing right. to do things? Uh, are you offering you know, stuff that uh, uh, just as a personal, you know, let me get you a cup of coffee when I'm in the neighborhood. Those types of things uh, I think have a lot of value to them, even though when it comes to product knowledge and, and sending out brochures and white papers and stuff, it, it's not, you don't check that box. And so I think the personal approach do people like you is very important. And, and I work with a lot of clients who, who tell me, you know, God, I love working with you because uh, you take care of everything and, and you're so nice to be around. You're just always, always positive. And, and that, that counts for a lot. Uh, and not everybody's like that, frankly. So that is value. It's, it's true. Um, I will tell you, though, that a lot of people make the mistake that if they're really nice and really likable, then people will automatically want to do business with them. And if you're missing the additional part of that equation of, am I valuable to work with? And invaluable is kind of a nebulous kind of term. No one really knows how to define it. But you've still got to give me a good reason to work with you. There has to be an outcome at the end of the, the tunnel. The, the light at the end of the tunnel has to be an outcome that I can't get through other means. Otherwise, right. I don't have any reason. Here's the thing. Your prospects are not looking for more friends. I don't know anybody who's looking for more friends, right? Um, so to say, oh, can I buy you a cup of coffee? You know, listen, when you're selling to executive level people, they're already not paying for their own coffee. Right. That's well, awesome. that's true. So that's on an expense account. Or, you know, I, I, mean, I sold to physicians for a long time. And, hey, can I buy you dinner? Look, I can spend the, my own money and take my wife out to dinner or my husband out to dinner or whoever it is, right? I can take, I can go to dinner with my actual friends or for an amount of money that I can actually afford anyway, I guess I could put up with you and your antics for an hour and a half. Oh, start weighing that. You know, I wrote an article um, not too long ago, um, actually submitted an article and I don't know if it's going to be published by these people yet. If they don't, then I will. Um, but it was like the, the value of a business dinner is going through the floor. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm very bullish on, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm very bearish on yeah. the, the business dinner because time is a much more precious commodity than a really well-prepared steak anymore. Yeah, so, I would agree. Having, having a friendly uh, approach and an upbeat attitude is part of the picture. It's certainly right. not what's going to make the case or, or, you know, it's not the make or break deal. But as long as everything else is in place, they prefer to do business with someone like that versus someone who's a guy or a girl you just wouldn't get along with well. So, right. Yeah. Um, let's kind of break it down a little bit. How often 
if you're prospecting and, and you know you have a long sales cycle, how often should you call somebody, uh, and how many times should you call somebody or reach out to them before you say, you know what, we know they're not interested, or you just wait for someone to say, we're not interested, stop calling me. Sure. Um, so there's a, there are a lot of ways to answer that question. Um, I tell people in terms of a time frame, um, I tell people that it is. 12 to 15 touches over four to six months. Um, your results may vary in your um, industry and, and things, but I think that's, that's a really good amount of time. And, and the, the reason is 15 touches in 15 days, you probably don't have enough time as a component of the recipe. You, you probably don't have enough time between those touches for them to appreciate you as a brand. Like think about it, if you're scrolling social media, how many times do you need to see the Instagram ad before you're willing to click on the profile, right? right. Like I've never heard of that before, that looks interesting. Um, okay, yeah, we'll see if they're still here in three months. Maybe this is just another flash in the pan startup that <laughs> won't even have an opportunity to fill my order, right? So there's the time between your touches is good in terms of create, or, um, <clears throat> creating a, an, an awareness or a reputation. But you can't just touch, you know, reach out once a month for six months because there isn't enough continuity yeah. between your touches for them to get used to hearing from you, right? So I, I tell people that 12 to 15 touches that are not quite scripted, but you've got an idea of what those 12 to 15 are going to be. And then it's a matter of executing a plan over a series of months. Um, this is for someone who has never heard of you, doesn't know you, doesn't know how you can help them and uh, has no reason to take your call that they know of. Okay. What, what uh, types of touches are you, are you recommending or, or do you look at? Uh, is it like sending something in the mail? Like I, I've been told, gosh, you should send something physical like once a month, like a, uh, stress ball that says, you know, on it with your branding on the little note that says, hey, if you're stressed out about this, we'll help you solve it. Just various things, along with emails and calls and all that other stuff. What kind of things do you look at that makes sense? Yeah, again, you know, in, in your particular industry, when you're reaching people from 3,000 miles away, um, it could be a promotional item that's clever that shows your sense of humor. Um, but sending 15 different promotional items, now I've just got a desk full of junk, right? Right. And it's also right. expensive. Um, so it's a combination of those things. I, I love the approach of, I saw this and I thought of you. I read this article and it made me think about your situation. And this may be a way that we can help you. This is how someone else in our space is doing this. Or this is how we've helped the customer in the past. Or this is a new trend that I'm seeing that we're really trying to jump on. Is it something that interests you? Can we have a really creative and collaborative conversation about how we can make this work together? Um, those are kinds of things. And you can do that in a variety of ways. You can do that with... Uh, Telephone calls, certainly. Um, if you have their contact information, you can do it with email. Um, I think there is a tremendous value to regular U.S. Postal Service mm -hmm. in that nobody gets mail anymore that they want to get, right? That's it, true. Even, it's I mean, junk mail and bills. It's junk mail, bills, and even your magazine subscriptions, right, that you're looking forward to. Most times there's a digital app. You know, I, I get Golf Digest every year and, and um, or I'm sorry, every month, and uh, I'd rather read it on my iPad. So even when right. that comes in, it's like, oh, I guess I better go download the new issue on my iPad, right? So that goes right into the <laughs> But when you can get that's something, true. it helps you, to, helps you to stand out a little bit. Um, the other thing that's really important, though it's also um, it can be very, very expensive, is if you really need something to get back to the CEO's desk, um, UPS, FedEx, DHL, whoever you want to use, even, you know, United States Postal Service, um, overnight signature required, 
that gets to the top of the desk and that gets opened. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I, I just thought of something I was, I was watching or listening to a, a podcast that's been three or four months and this guy was talking about how as a salesperson, he used his musical skills. He's a piano player and he would write these little ditties uh, with, and, and he would do, uh, put a video of him doing it like a customized version of this for the client. Hey, Harry, I found it out. Da, 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 da. And he yeah. sent him like a 35 or 40 second video. Now that would make you stand out. If you have sure the would. talent to do that, you know, so something like that you can throw in the mix as well for your third or fourth or eighth touch or whatever. Yeah. Wrote, wrote a song for you. Want to hear? <laughs> it's fun stuff. Uh, Jeff has been fun uh, chatting with you about sales and prospecting. How is uh, a good way to find you online? Um, my website is uh, www.jeffbajorek.com. J-E-F-F, be like boy, A-J-O-R-E-K.com. Um, I, that's basically my home base on the internet. I'm okay. feel free. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm somewhat active on Twitter. I follow sports and things on Twitter and kind of goof around with my friends. Um, my newsletter gets reposted there on Sundays. Um, on LinkedIn, I'm pretty active there as far as social media networks. I have a YouTube channel, but most of that stuff you can get to right from my website. So if there's right. one thing to remember, it's jeffbajoric.com and I'm at Jeff Bajoric on most of the social media platforms. So, um, yeah, if you want to reach out or, I mean, send me an email, jb at jeffbajoric.com. I respond to them and I schedule phone calls and, and I, I love talking about this stuff. with people. Yeah. That's one thing I like about you, Jeff, is that you're open to, to just letting people uh, chat with you. And, and we've chatted a couple of times at your open office hours and things yeah. like that. So I was glad to get you on in uh, the book. Uh, where's a good place to find that? Is that through your website or is that on Amazon or both or? Both actually. Okay. Um, you can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it on my website too. And if you buy from my website, I'll sign it and I'll send it to you personally. <laughs> there so you go. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's a few bucks cheaper on my website too. So you can get that there. Uh, you, and actually, in actuality, the, the hard copy of the book can be purchased. If you just want the material, and I know a lot of people like the eBooks now, the PDF is free at the website. So okay. download that. You, you, um, get at, you opt into my Sunday newsletter um, mailing list. Um, if it's worth the 12 bucks to you to not be on the mailing list, then just buy the hard copy. Um, or if you, if you want, just unsubscribe right away. I don't get offended by that stuff. And I will uh, just comment, uh, compliment you on your, uh, your newsletter. It's, it's good, it's consistent, and it's one of the, the probably six or seven that I actually get a chance to read almost every time. So yeah. there are Love times it you. slips by and I go, ah, I didn't get to it that time. <laughs> Thanks again for joining me here on Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. I, I really appreciate it. Oh, Thanks for having me, Tim. Thanks again to Jeff Bajoric for spending time discussing prospecting and sales on this week's uh, Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Copy. I really had a lot of fun with this conversation. Uh, and it meant a lot because I spent a lot of my time prospecting and working my sales activities. Uh, this week's trade show tip comes from trade show superheroes and exhibiting zombies. You can get this book on Amazon as well as my other one, Trade Show Success, both uh, aimed specifically at you if you are doing trade show marketing and they should help you out a lot so uh things to look for in competitors trade show booths there's a list of 10 we'll see if we get through all 10 of them uh number one uh look for products or services by the way we have this little picture here which is kind of the spy versus spy <laughs> that that uh my acquaintance jesse uh, drew for us so look for new products or services look for what people are launching what's there that wasn't there last year what is not in the booth that was there last year uh, number two, size of the booth. Did their booth increase or decrease over the last year? Uh, what else changed? Lead generation. Uh, can you get a good sense of what their lead generation and, and lead capture methods are? Just curious to compare. Uh, number four, people. Who's there? Do they look 
trained? Uh, are there management members there? How many? Uh, preparation and engagement. Does the booth staff look like they know what they're doing? Do they look like they enjoy it? Are they greeting people? Uh, are they sitting in the back on, on a chair behind a table, eating a sandwich on the phone, whatever? <laughs> exhibit function. Does the exhibit of your competitor have easy access? Does it look good? Does it represent their brand well? Uh, is their messaging good? What about the visitors? Do they get a lot of visitors at their booth? Uh, do you recognize any visitors as targets that you would like to connect with? Uh, giveaways. Do they have giveaways? If so, are they handing them out? Is there any conversation that goes on prior to getting that freebie? And are they giving presentations in the booth? Is it is it a big enough booth to give presentations? And who's giving the presentation? Is, a, is it a professional presenter they've hired? Or is it a member of management? Or is it some guy that's just demonstrating software? What is it? Uh, anyway, uh, once the show's over, it's always a good idea to debrief with colleagues and learn what you can about your competitor's appearance at the shows. All right. Finally, let's wrap it up with one good thing. It's the uh, return of Man in the High Castle. I think it's uh, season three. It's a TV series that's on Amazon's Prime Video based on the novel by Philip K. Dick. Now, in season one, they pretty much went through the entire novel. So season two and season three and however far they go, uh, they've kind of had to create a further story based on the premise of the novel, which is in the in World War II, uh, the Nazis won and the Japanese uh, won and America did not win World War II. So what was the world like that uh what like if that would have happened so it's really fascinating uh, man in the high castle i haven't started season three yet but i know it's just out or, or, or about to be out so i'm looking forward to it i really enjoyed season one and two so uh, i'll bring on season three and i don't really binge watch but you know an episode a day for uh, a week or two and, and I've, I've gone through it so there you go have yourself uh, a great week and i'd love to have you back again next time around on trade show guy monday morning coffee i'm tim patterson